pull up Twitch. Good morning. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG podcast. My name is Patrick. I'm Nolan. Nolan, how's it going? I haven't seen you for a couple of days. It feels weird because we went on this streak where we're seeing each other every day, but not this weekend. Yeah, it's been fairly quiet, and I wouldn't say nice, but a nice change of pace not to be at work, so... Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So joining us today, we have Zach Goings from Stoneworks Gaming. Zach, how are you doing? Great, how are you guys? I'm doing well. Doing good. Excellent. We have Zach joining us today to talk about the project that he is working on for ZineQuest 3 that is currently live on Kickstarter. And we are going to get to that in just a little bit, but we do have some news we want to talk about. And we thought, well, why not invite Zach just to be a part of the show and he can join us with all the chirping that we do. So, uh, let's see. I, as we always do, Nolan, have you done anything awesome this weekend? It's been so cold. Have you played any games that you'd like to tell us about? It's been pretty quiet. I did finally get my uh, 4K Lord of the Rings Extended Edition uh, in the mail that I had ordered back in November and had canceled a couple times and was out of stock and all that. So I did get to watch The Fellowship uh, yesterday, and it's amazing how good it looks. I was completely caught off guard. Uh, they look so young. They're so babies. And then I realized when it came out, it made me feel really old. So it was great and terrifying at the same time. They're pretty sure you were a baby when that when those came out. It was you both were probably babies when those came out. Yeah, I was probably like I think I was in seventh grade, eighth grade when the first one came out. I was a senior in high school. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Once again, proof that I am the old one of the group because I already had kids when the first one came out. Oh, wow. Hey, hey, that was a little low there, Zach. <laughs> I just, no, I just wasn't expecting that. I figured you were around my age. You look like you're maybe at most nine, 10 years older than me. And I'm 32, so I was not expecting that. Figured yeah, you were I more. am. I just turned 46 this year. Oh, well, congratulations. I'm not sure that's something to be happy about. <laughs> you're happy you're still alive. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's know. what it is. <laughs> are turning out to be pretty nice but i don't know something about everyone always tells me that the 40s are the best the best years so i you say know, that about every decade though so i don't feel any different except for well now my kids are all turned 18 and one's moved out the other one's in college and i'm i'm free and i'm young enough to enjoy it Right, that's that was the congratulations because that's yeah. usually when they start to you know you get you start to get your free time back. Having little yes. kids, I imagine, is a full time job in and of itself. Well, Nolan could tell us about that. I got a couple of babies, but it is what it is, right? You made that choice. That's right. So that's right. <laughs> So you got something awesome this weekend with getting the 4K videos in, and I'm so glad to hear that they look good. Uh, I know that's something I was actually just telling my wife yesterday that you had got those in, and I was like, you know, I really, really, really want these, but I've bought every edition of them, like the you know the extended version, the normal version. I'm like, I don't know that I can justify buying a third version of these movies, especially since, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, the Kickstarter that we were looking at yesterday or not yesterday, but Friday, she's like, well, I think you might have to pick one or the other here. That's not an option. You just get I know, that's one. just cruel and unusual. <laughs> but speaking of awesome things, my brother, a uh, fan of the show Dom, did bring me uh, the Drizzt Duerden action figure that was released from Hasbro, uh, Hasbro Plus. Now, Nolan, you and I talked about this a couple, probably more than a month ago now. I think it was late November, early December than when we talked about this. Um, it is something I have it sitting, I don't know if you can, yeah, you can't see it. It's sitting over there by Curse of Strahd Collector's Edition. Um, I don't know that I'm ever going to open it. It's just one of those things, the packaging looks fantastic. The unfortunate thing is, is there's no way to like open up the packaging. There's no like Velcro door or anything that you can actually see through a window and see what the action figure looks like. But the packaging looks awesome. And I, I have a, I believe, yeah, I have a link in the show notes if you guys want to go check it out. It's a pretty cool uh, collector's edition. Um, and I just wanted to give a huge shout out to Dom and say thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's That's awesome. 
think that's how they get you is these neat little trinkets. You're like, ah, I don't really need it. And then you're like, eh, I think it's like four days later, you're still kind of thinking about it. I know the Blizzard ones come out and I mean, I don't need a two foot tall Illidan statue in my room, but I kind of need a two foot tall Illidan statue in my room. So uh, it's a, <laughs> it's a whole situation. Says the guy who has swords right over his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that, that's, that's not you. even, that's not even half of it. I spend <laughs> way more money on, on my geek stuff than, oh man, it's a good thing that I bought most of it before I met my girlfriend because she is very much, uh, she's a very frugal person. So they're collector's <laughs> items and you're yeah. just investing in the future. Exactly. And she, you know, she kind of balks at my spending habits sometimes. So I'm glad I got most of my collectible stuff <laughs> early. Right. And I would wager, because, and I know, Nolan, you've, you've got in your room at least one sword. I've got a couple hanging up in my room. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, it's a, well, it's not a problem. It's a good thing. It's a good problem. It's what it is. That's right. All right. So worse. <laughs> it sure could. Zach, we do want to talk about your project, and we are going to get to that, but we do have some news that we need to cover, and, and there's there's not a whole lot. Um, I did do some looking around to try and find some Dungeons & Dragons news, and about the only thing that I could come across was uh, Michelle Rodriguez and Justice Smith have both been cast in the upcoming D&D movie. Uh, we don't know what parts they're going to be playing. We just know that they, along with Chris Pine, have all now been cast in this movie. Have either of you heard anything else about the movie? No, that's about all I've heard. I saw a few days ago, uh, I guess it was two, three days ago that they'd been cast, um, which I thought was pretty interesting. I thought uh, Justice Smith did a great job in the Detective Pikachu movie. That was that was fun. Uh, so I was I was pretty excited about that. Um, nothing else on my end. Nolan, I you know I I get scared when you get bigger names in these kind of movies because sometimes that overtakes it and and as somebody who very much was disappointed elijah wood was in uh lord of the rings and then just totally won me over with their acting i think all these people are good actors and i i'm just scared <laughs> i mean i really am just because it, i think it is one of those things of reliving the, the world of warcraft movie of it wasn't what I wanted it to be. And for some people it was and other people. And then you realize like D and is so big and it's for everybody. And I don't think you can make everybody happy and that's going to be an insane challenge. So I don't know. We'll, we'll wait and see, I guess. Yeah. The world, the, the Warcraft movie, it, and I've watched it probably four or five times now. Mm -hmm. And I think Nolan, you and I actually went and watched that one in the theater together. And we were both was, we were walking out, we were both like, it was okay. You didn't want to be like, oh, it's terrible. But because at the end of the day, it still touched on the things that you liked. You still got to see Stormwind. You still got to see the orcs and some of the characters that you really like. But it really wasn't that good. It was My biggest problem with that was why they, why they chose to change the things that they did. I get that oftentimes there's, you know, slight discrepancies when you are taking... Uh, a property from book or a game and translating it to film, but it seems like they just, I don't know, it just seemed kind of, they changed it just for the purpose of changing it. Right. I, yeah, I don't know where the, I don't know if it's an arrogance that comes in from a director or a writer or say, no, I've, I'm going to take what you've got and make it better. And, uh -huh. and it does, it does segue into, uh, you were telling me that uh, Jack Black is now Claptrap for the upcoming Borderlands. Yes, Borderlands movie. movie. And, uh, it's another one, same thing. It's like, I just, you've got an okay source material, right? You've got a Deadpool meets Mad Max world. Just go with it. It's great. It has a fan base. Don't get carried away. Uh, Kevin Hart as Roland hurts my soul. Um, so I will wait and see uh, on that one as well. So again, I, I'm going to go see it. I'll probably see it a bunch of times. I've seen the old ones that are terrible in all the right ways. Um, I don't know. I'm scared, but well, and if you think back to the original D and D movie, it was terrible. Uh, of course, that came out when you guys were just babies. So <laughs> it was. It was, say, uh, it was terrible. What do we do the if they cast Jeremy Irons? Right. Oh man, <laughs> God, it was. It was bad in all the right ways. I mean, it just is one of those things. Of now, I can look back at it and be like, "Oh, watch this train wreck! It's going to be great. You'll love it." 
Right. Exactly. Um, but, you know, of course, movie making has come so far and we've seen so many, so many amazing things like with what Disney Plus is doing with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, what they're doing with Star Wars. There is so much potential for it to be really, really good. It would be great if they could create something that didn't pull on like the iconic characters. Don't bring in Elminster. Don't bring in Dred Stewart because we all have our expectations of what those characters are going to be. I think, and this is completely my opinion, create new characters, new characters for us to fall in love with. Yes, show us Waterdeep, show us Baldur's Gate, show us all the world that we love because it's going to be Forgotten Realms. Um, I, I, don't, I haven't heard that officially, but it's going to be Forgotten Realms. It's always Forgotten Realms. Um, show us the things that we love. And I think if they do that and, and show us the things that we love and give us something new to fall in love with, I mean, it could very easily be, you know, some sort of adventure that, again, you know, thinking marketing here, they could immediately say, okay, you love the movie, now play the adventure and release the story, the adventure that came out with the movie. And you could have multiple products that came, that come out. I think there's a lot of potential and I'm, cautiously optimistic which i say that word that phrase a lot well and i think it depends up. on what it is for you as well because it's like <clears throat> i think about high magic and that's really hard to do without being cheesy and you know harry potter kind of did it the best uh just not a lot of it and i now i'm like i don't know if i want to see like a transformers action movie or how are you going to show somebody under the effects of haste or dropping a fireball you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, it's just so big. Um, so I hope they go big with it, I guess, because there is a lot of that stuff that with this day and age, with Castlevania being a Netflix anime and, and more and more going that way, that's where I think that, you know, that's where you see those characters that you love because we know what they look like. I don't want to see, I don't know, I don't know how you cast an entire group of dark elves and stay, you know, not get into the weird works uh, of races uh, race like just i don't know like I, I think it's tough and showing dritz's speed or you know I, if you're not going to go big like they did lord of the rings and just be so authentic and pure and treat it with kids gloves then i, I just have a hard time with it i would zach, agree i was gonna say you sound like you had something to add to that zach Oh, I was just going to say your idea about the, you know, making the new characters and then, you know, using that as a a jumping off point to market like adventures. And you can, if, if that's not the idea that they had going into this, they're going to, they're going to wish they were watching this podcast later. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. That's what we should have done. And it, it makes sense. I mean, give us because with the popularity of Critical Role and and like we all saw the Kickstarter for the animated series for for Critical Role and just how I mean it was amazing to sit there and just watch the numbers just roll up as people after people after people were backing that. It is something that people love. D and D is probably well. There's no probably to it. D and D is absolutely at its most popular ever in history right now, especially with the fact that we're under a global pandemic. We're all being forced to stay home we're all finding new ways to play and wizards has done a great job as as have other gaming companies of providing free sources free adventures for us to play and it's it's great it's awesome and if they take this and say like take everything that we've just talked about handle it with kids gloves give us new people to fall in love with give us a new adventure to to love and 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 long to play you can create a whole marketing thing around this with tons and tons of merchandise we just talked about the drizzit Seward and action figure People are going to, if, if the movie is done well, people will want the action figures done, especially if they tap someone like McFarlane Toys to do the action figures. Now they're not just posable action figures, they're freaking collectibles. And we're all going to be uh -huh. eating the shit out of that because we're going to be like, wow. And if it's done well, just like all three of us have in our rooms, they could, like, if, if for some reason we're going to say Chris Pine is the main hero, um, he gets a sword, a magic sword that every one of us is like, oh, that's a badass sword. All of us are going to have it hanging on our damn walls. <laughs> yeah. So the marketing potential, if the movie is done well, and if I remember correctly, the guys working under the folks who did uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, if, that, if I'm not mistaken. So there's a lot of potential for this to be done well and to expand and grow the popularity of D&D. &D. My fear 
is I've seen Wizards with what they've done with Magic, and I was, and I still am a big time fan of Magic the Gathering and how they're pushing everything digital. Now it makes sense with the global pandemic, but are we going to look at bringing things back? Because one of the biggest things about Magic was going to a Grand Prix and attending those large events where you got to see cosplayers, you got to see, you got to immerse yourself in that world. Wizards has an opportunity to do something brilliant and amazing, and I just hope they capitalize on this. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a, a rant. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it was an impassioned speech. There we go. <laughs> We're all inspired now. Uh, I did not see a whole lot of other D and D news. Did either of you see anything else for D and D? Not on my end. No, yeah. not not mine either. I haven't. I haven't been combing for the past few days, though. I haven't been doing my normal in preparation for launching this Kickstarter. It's kind of just been sitting in front of that for the last couple of days, just rereading it over and over again. I have to imagine it was. So, okay, well, let's jump over to Onyx Path because we have a whole lot of Kickstarter to talk about now since you mentioned that, Zach, good segue. Um, the double Kickstarter for Scion is coming to an end. I think it's got like four days left as of this recording. They've knocked down... I think it's 17 stretch goals. I mean, they have just absolutely obliterated this Kickstarter. Uh, and I'm sure as all anybody who does a Kickstarter knows, there's always that last minute push. So, you know, that, that last minute, oh, we got to make sure this Kickstarter or this, this stretch goal gets unlocked. So I'm sure there's going to be a big push. Uh, the initial ask on this Kickstarter was $35,000. They are sitting at $144,160. That's impressive. Especially when you consider Scion, although I know is a very popular game, doesn't carry the weight of like a Vampire the Masquerade or Dungeons and Dragons. And maybe I need to correct myself and say it apparently does because holy shit, that's a great Kickstarter. Huh. Zach, have you ever messed with uh, Scion at all? I've never played Scion. Um, my my biggest most interaction with it is is actually. Um, with Travis Leggy, who, you know, does writing, does a lot of their writing over at Onyx Path. Um, so we've kind of um, done some, been working out some collaborative stuff on our end, and he sent me over some copies of it. And I really didn't know that much about Scion, but reading through the stuff that he sent me, I definitely, it's something that I want to try out. And from what I can tell, Onyx Path is putting out the best stuff the best third-party stuff for Scion out there. I, if I'm not mistaken, and, and I could be wrong here, I think they own Scion outright. Oh, it's their own? Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> if I'm, and again, I, and if there's somebody in chat that, that can correct me on this, please do so. If I'm not mistaken, Scion was originally part of um, White Wolf and kind of the lighter, later part of White Wolf. And when Rich Thomas, who was part of White Wolf for a long, long time, left. That was one of the IPs he was able to keep. And I believe, and I could be wrong here, I believe Scion is an Onyx Path solely. And the art or the stuff that they put out for it is pretty impressive. They do, they do a great job. And like you said, you mentioned Travis. Travis has been on our show a lot, and we know the stuff that they do for Scarred Lands because we are avid fans of the Scarred Lands, have tons and tons of Scarred Lands stuff. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're doing some good stuff over there. So if you're interested in Scion, I do have a link in the show notes for anybody who would like to go check that out. Like I said, it's got about four days left as of this recording. So there is still some time to jump on it. Now, Onyx Path does keep backer kits uh, open. So after the Kickstarter does close, you still have the opportunity to go in and back the product if you want to. There is no news currently on what their next Kickstarter is going to be, at least none that I have heard. I could be wrong on that. Uh, if, we if we do hear anything, we will let everybody know. I did see that Tales of Aquatic Terror for They Came From Beneath the Sea was released on Wednesday. Uh, it was sent to backers, I believe, Tuesday in PDF form. Uh, those people who backed it on Kickstarter, uh, I did get my copy of it. I have not looked through it yet. Uh, it's going to be one of those that once, once I can, once I have the funds freed up, I will end up purchasing the POD of this book because, well, I like books. Um, Zach, have you ever looked at They Came From Beneath the Sea? No, but that I've never even heard of it, but that sounds incredible. 
so they came from the beneath the sea yeah it, it really does sound incredible what is based on like cheesy 1940s and 50s sci-fi and like some of the stuff that you get to do in there is like you, you create a, a character who is like typical of your 1940s and 50s sci-fi so you'll have like an everyman you'll have like your your g-man or or the the spunky reporter and like just some of the stuff that that you can do in there you play the show or you play the game like it's a movie and so as you're playing along like you could be facing like a total party wipe and if you've built up enough narrative points you could be like wait we're gonna do this and you play this this card that essentially stops the party wipe because something intervened you're not allowed to talk about what happened directly. You can very indirectly say like, man, I've never seen anybody use a squirrel that way before. <laughs> and it, whatever it is, you can you know be very creative. So it's a very narrative storytelling game where essentially you're playing through an old sci-fi movie. That is super cool. It is, it is very cool. Matthew Dawkins was the creator of that. They've done another They Came From. It's called They Came From Beyond the Grave, and they're currently working on the third They Came From as well. Uh, these are all Onyx Path original games. They look like a ton of fun and a ton of laughter, and we're, that's one of the ones that is on the long list of games that we need to be playing. Yeah, I'm going to have to go go pick up a copy of that. That sounds right up my alley. Yeah, and then they came from beyond the grave. Is all like nineteen seventies and eighties horror flicks. Oh, oh, then I'm gonna buy that one first. <laughs> but I'll, I'm gonna buy. It. Yeah, Very... they came from. Now the unfortunate thing about they came from beyond the grave, you're gonna have to look on backer kit because it was a Kickstarter that has not gone all the way through yet. So if that is something oh. you're interested, you might have to look for Onyx Pass backer kit. Okay, I'll keep that in mind because yeah. I have a super special place in my heart for 70s and 80s horror movies i think one of the ones that they're one of the adventures they're working on is very much like a throwback to friday the 13th crystal lake whole setup yeah yeah so some cool stuff from there and those are games that uh, is on our list they they came from beneath the sea was i think i got that what october nolan something like that mm-hmm and of course, COVID slowed everything down. So we finally have a hard copy of that. We've done several episodes about it with Matthew Dawkins. It's 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 a good, it's a cool game. Um, anyway, that's all I saw from Onyx Path. We do I do want to bounce over to Hunter's Entertainment real quick. We did talk to Knox Burf last week. Um, we talked to a lot of people last week, uh, but in this case, we're specifically talking about Gods of Metal Ragnarok. This game is rocking and rolling on Kickstarter as it passed the $93,000 mark. Again, the initial ask was $25,000, and I think when we talked to Knox last week, it was at like $72,000. So they've really done a great job of moving that up. They've unlocked a couple of new stretch goals, and otherwise, this Kickstarter is just straight kicking ass. I am excited about this game. Uh, Nolan, what are your thoughts on Gods of Ragnarok after talking to Knox last week? I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, from what I've seen as well, of the people picking up and playing it really like the dice system, the the simplification of just having the D4s and adding a couple bonuses and pass-fail. Um, I think it's going to be easy for people to pick up, and I think you get to bring in a lot of people that wouldn't necessarily give the game, sit down at a table and give it a shot. Um, I did see like on Twitter they had some fairly uh, high-profile people coming in to uh, do some games and stuff like that on Twitch, so hopefully that really helps them just get to the moon because there's a couple of those kickstarter stretch goals that were just fantastic um the biggest thing i think i took away from it like you said that we didn't know about was the dm screen is the vinyl holder for your your record uh yeah. they brought in some yeah it's a jacket games. for your vinyl record it's a it's a cool one i it i've never seen a kickstarter like it um and then as far as the goals and stuff like that what they set out to do and I think uh, I think Knox really touched on it as probably once in a lifetime opportunity because of the pandemic. You've got a ton of really amazing bands that aren't able to do what they're normally able to do. So you give them some money, you give them a little bit of work, and you get some fresh songs or never before never before released uh, tracks. Uh, it's it's pretty cool. It's very cool. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, the vinyl album, I don't have the Kickstarter pulled up, includes songs by bands like Motorhead, Fozzy, things like that. So there's some big names that are going to be on that album. And, and, and again, it's just it's one of those things. How often do you get to take heavy metal, blend it with D&D, and then go play? So like, hey, I'm the lead guitarist in this band, and watch my guitar as it shoots blades at you. They, uh, I think one of the character sheets said on it, uh, let me see right here weapon uh, elemental damage emotion 
and I just could think <laughs> of of Aerosmith, Sweet Emotion, and him singing and just exploding heads or making people cry and like then their heart explode. I, I mean, you could just get carried away with it. I just love it. I, I can't wait. Um, I just stumbled across it last week, and I, like, at first I was like, oh, and another, you know, Norse-themed RPG-type Kickstarter, and I, but I, the art was amazing, so I clicked on it, and as I started reading, I was like, oh, I am definitely, definitely backing this. Yeah, the Kickstarter is just fun to read. As you're reading yeah. through it, it's like, you want a book? Fuck Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it really cracked me up. And it was one of those because we, we we had heard about it as it was getting ready to launch because we we'd done a whole section on Altered Carbon, which is also from Hunter's Entertainment. So we were kind of keeping an eye on what Hunter's Entertainment had coming out. So we had heard about this game and I, I thought, ah, it sounds interesting. You know, heavy metal meets Dungeons and Dragons, whatever. And then I, Nolan actually read me some of the Kickstarter. I'm like, oh, shit, this game looks incredible. Yeah. I still maintain I want to see Tenacious D play this game. I would love that. That's fantastic. That would be pretty badass. I think so too. <laughs> so the game, like I said, is rocking away on Kickstarter at $93,000. I want to say there was five or six days left on this one so there is still some time to jump in um there is a link in the show notes if you want to check it out and feel free to check out the episode we did with Knox last week so you can learn about the game because it really does and his passion just comes through it sounds like a fantastic game so i highly recommend you go and take a listen to that wanted to jump over to yet another kickstarter uh, free league just launched this past thursday the one ring second edition this game funded in four minutes and I don't know the the breakdown from Swedish crones to U.S. dollars, but I know it was like 100,000 Swedish crones was the initial ask. They are sitting at close to a million dollars, which I'm just blown away. I know, Nolan, you've looked at this Kickstarter. Zach, have you taken a look at this one? Yeah, yeah, I've already backed this one as well. You know, this Kickstarter shit's really starting to hurt my wallet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's filling my soul, but... Right. Yeah. It, it looks really good. It looks it incredible. And, and you know, and Nolan and I were talking at work where, because I, I was like, gosh, I, I kind of think I want the deluxe edition, that leatherette, gold filigree. I I, I was like, man, I, I don't, I, I kind of want that. And then he pipes up with, yeah, but look at the regular edition. It looks badass too. <laughs> and it really does. Um, I, oof. This is a fairly short Kickstarter as it launched this past Thursday, and it closes, I think this one has about, yeah, 18 days left. So this is a fairly quick one. They didn't even do a full month on it. I'm not sure why. So if you if you want to grab this one, um, there are some, they're very clear that some of the stuff they're going to be doing, like the Collector's Edition, will only be printed for Kickstarter backers. So if that's something, if you're a fan of Collector's Editions, or if you're a fan of all the stretch goals that they're talking about, which there are plenty of stretch goals, um, you might want to get out there and take a look at this one. Uh, again, link in the show notes. I do have a picture of the standard rule book in the show notes so you guys can see that as well. Uh, I did want to touch real quickly on Tolis because I know it is um, uh, uh, pre-order. That's the word I was looking for. It is still on pre-order. Uh, we did. We were very fortunate and we had Sean Reynolds come on the show last week, one of our three shows last week, and talk to us about Tallis. Uh, no, I, I wanted to touch on that one again, mostly because you did back it for us and I wanted to hear your thoughts on what you, with our conversation with Sean and if it made you more excited for this game. I... Yeah, I I really am excited for it. I think it has the legacy for it. I think it has the the legend and the mystique that I missed out on 3.5. So I've got the the fear of missing out type situation when it comes to the next generation of it. It's a 700 page tome to this world that was done by the 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 founding fathers of third edition. I mean, you know, you don't get any more behind the scenes of we created this game to play test the game that I love, and here you go. Uh, I have a, Anointed Tales of Dragonlance with the, with the author's notes on it, and it changed the way I read the book. I, I enjoyed the behind the scenes, and then having some of that same stuff of from 
the the guy who wrote the DM, you know, masters thing for 3.5, sit there and say, okay, so these are my notes from running this game that I ran with all the guys who are now working on fifth edition, who have gone on to Pathfinder, who have gone on to do these other things of, I don't know. I it, It's such a neat idea for me just to be able to kind of see, you know, you're, you're looking at some of the people that made the game that you love and you get behind the, the scenes of it. So, and, and Sean was amazing, a super nice guy. Uh, and knowing that they've got more stuff coming, that they're going to be writing adventures for it, knowing that we're going to get some of that from those same people. I, yeah, I'm super happy with it. I can't wait to play. Uh, again, it's another one of those things of, I don't know when you're going to find time and I don't know when you want, you get to leave. You know, I think that's the big thing If we play Scarred Lands and it's a fun place and you don't ever kind of get to check out a Scarred Lands because that kind of haunts you. Uh, you know, the Forgotten Realms is always going to be kind of home for all D&D. So you get used to that. And then the One Ring, I mean, I don't know if I ever come back from Lord of the Rings. So it's like, I'm afraid to start it. And then same with Tolus. It's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, what if you like the world better? You know, what if you, you know what, D&D's dead to me now because this is so amazing. So that that's where I feel about it. I have, I have no sadness in anything about backing that game. Zach, are you familiar at all with Tolis? Not Tolis. There's, was... a, there's a lot I'm not familiar with. As far, there's a lot of tabletop RPGs out there, and I've only been doing this for the last 11 years, so... Okay. I still have a lot to catch up on. You know, it's funny that you say that because that's something Nolan and I say all the time is like, we, of course, we know about Dungeons and Dragons. And I was a hardcore Vampire the Masquerade player when it first came out, again, showing my age. Um, and it's amazing just how many absolutely stunning and incredibly well done games there are that we learn about all the time. So it's exciting for us, like getting you on here to talk about the project that you're working on, the crew from Bite Size Gaming, having Zach and them on here to talk about all the stuff that they're working on, your name doppelganger, as you like to call him. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, getting all those people here and, and learning about everything that everybody's working on is so amazing. Um, yeah, it, it, I don't think you could do, I think you could be in RPGs for 50 years and still learn about more stuff. Well, we, we see that a lot just with Scion, you know, it's not something that was ever on our, our radar and to see it fully funded times 10, um, is, you know, crazy. Cause it's just one of those things I didn't even know it was there. And people obviously love this enough to just be super excited for it the way that we are about like the one ring or, you know, the next D and D book or whatever. So there's a, there's a yeah. lot to learn and we just need more, more fun hours in the day. time. Yeah, like until until I met Zach, the other Zach, as he wants, I don't know why he prefers being being called Zach B. So I'm Zach A. But anyway, when I met Zach Goins, um, I'd never heard of Mothership before, and he was telling me all about you know some of the some of that kind of stuff, and I was I really really want to play Mothership now. That. And then seeing all the all the zines, there's there are a couple really cool zines that are for mother coming out for mothership, um, for Zine Quest. Yes. Very nice. Yeah, they do great work. They really do. And, and and it's like you said, there's so many so many people creating so many amazing things that it's just really neat to see. And one of the things that Sean said on the show last weekend, last Saturday, was because Tolis is really wide open. And he's like, if you have an idea for an adventure, tweet me, tell me, you know, maybe you could be the person who comes in and writes something for Tolis. Mm -hmm. So that I, I, and I think that's really cool. I, I love, I love where RPGs are now because we're seeing so many amazing things come out of them. So <laughs> we're going to kind of segue here back to you, Zach, because uh, we, we have been talking about all the news. That is all that I have seen. Um, have either of you seen anything else that we should talk about before we jump into our topic of the day? I think we got a, quite a bit. Um, yeah. I do know Hitpoint Press has their new, their new um, witchy-type supplement that they released and that's still on okay. kickstarter uh they just they're a little past the 100k mark now that looks pretty exciting i always like the stuff that they put out over there at point. see and that's that that one's new to me all 
I will go and find that here in just a little bit and throw a link in the show notes so people can check that out. Excellent. So let's jump over to our topic of the night because we do we do want to give you a chance to talk about the lights of Winthrop Manor, which I have a link in the show notes for your Kickstarter. I did notice that it is funded already, so congratulations. In fact, I went and backed it last night. Um, so tell us about your project, Zach. First, tell us who you are, how you got into RPGs, and then tell us about your project and, of course, about ZineQuest. Okay. Um, so I got into RPGs in college, um, into tabletop RPGs, and was a player for a long time. Um, and then this was only with D&D. Started out with uh, 3.5. And that was that was all I really played for years, you know. Um, and then I got into DMing, and it's only really been in the last couple of years as I've started to form my own company that I've realized just how much beyond, there is beyond D&D. Like, I knew that there was, you know, the, the Warhammer tabletop RPG stuff. I knew about Pathfinder and Starfinder, Traveler, things like that. Um, I'd heard about all that, but man, once you start start forming your own company and really looking there's there's a lot of stuff out there um vampire the masquerade is one that has been around for a long time that i'd never heard of um that is still hugely popular like you were talking about um so i started dming after about five or six years and then just it's coming up on two years ago now i was watching an American werewolf in London one night and I was like I really really want to write a, a campaign for you know that's really deeply rooted in like all my favorite horror movies and novels and pop culture um and I tried to get my regular group together and none of them were able to commit for the time being and one of them was like well if you really have to scratch that itch so bad why don't you just write the setting in like as a book and sell it and i was like can can i just do that and he was like yeah so i started looking into it and then i ended up forming stoneworks gaming a couple months later and started reaching out making contacts in the community getting to know people and slowly putting together um working on putting together our our big setting that we're gonna bring to kickstarter late in the spring um the dreadlands um horrors of glen is the first big setting book that we'll be doing and the lights of winthrop manor is an introduction to that setting it's just a little one-shot adventure that'll kind of set the tone and and let people kind of see what this setting is going to be all about um, so for the project, um, for Stoneworks in general, for the big Dreadlands setting book, I ended up working with Zach Owens. He came in and he's a, he's a big part of making that happen. He's doing, you know, writing a lot of the new lineages that we have, a lot of the new subclasses, um, and archetypes, backgrounds, things like that. Um, and giving them a nice gothic horror flavor. So how did you how did you come to come into contact with Zach? I mean, everybody, those of you who listen to the show should know that Zach Goins is part of Bite Size Gaming. He's been on our show, I think, three times now. We love what he does. We love the stuff that he puts out, and he's always fun to have on the show. So how did you come into contact with him? How did you guys connect? Um, he was funding uh, his Kickstarter for Oceanic Deaths. Was on Kickstarter, okay, and okay. I saw it. It came across my radar on Facebook, I believe. Um, and I'd I'd already backed it, and I just what I always do. I just take a stab in the dark, and I just reach out to these people, um, in any way that I can. And we started talking, and I I wanted to get his input on helping me try and build my first Kickstarter when it came time. Um, and just to get some advice from him. And then when the 
the people that I was originally working with on the Dreadland setting when it was in the very early stages, that kind of started to fall apart. Um, it was people that I was had known personally, like that were in my personal orbit and friend group for years. When that kind of started to be fall apart, I realized I'm going to reach out and try and get in touch with people from this community who do this um, seriously. And I just put out a call and, you know, on Facebook and other social medias to if people were interested in working with me on this. And he and I had already spoken at length on what it takes to make a Kickstarter and how to do a successful Kickstarter. Um, and he responded and he was like, I would love to come help you create this setting. And I was like, what? It's like, really? Like you're already published. You got your own stuff going on. Like I, I've never done anything like this before. Like, so he came on, we got, um, some other cool people that are, that have contributed to it in ways. And that's, that's how he got on board for the Dreadlands, um, and Horrors of Glen setting. And then he, he came to me as part of this and like well if you really want to make this this big campaign successful you want to get rid of your zero projects created next to your name um he was like and he told me he explained to me what zine quest is explained to me how over at bite size and the drifters atlas they had they had participated in the past and kind of told me what all goes into it and so we ended up partnering with them to to create a short little a short little introductory zine for our large setting. Yeah, I I truly believe, and you said you guys call him Zach B. Yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> kind of like the joke that that he he asked me on the last stream that we did over on his over on his podcast. He was like, "Do you want to be Zach A or Zach B?" And I said, "I'll be Zach B." And he was like, "Oh, <laughs> so." Perfect. Well, I, I think he has a passion for it. I think, you know, because I know he's helped other people bring their projects to Kickstarter. And, you know, uh -huh. he's just a, he's a good dude. And, and his passion really comes through on a lot of that stuff with his own work and with helping other people. And that's exactly what we do here at 307 RPG. We want other people, other creators, little known creators to be able to come on our show and talk about it and hopefully get other people helping them out and backing them. So cool that you were able to or that he was able to reach out to you and you guys were able to come together. Um, so tell us what is, go into some detail about the Lights of Winthrop Manor. Tell us a little bit about that. It's clearly from the artwork and stuff that you have, this is a horror-themed adventure. So get into some of the nitty-gritty on it. Okay, yeah. So it is uh, for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. And going into it, one of the, you know, when Zach first proposed the idea, he suggested that we use the um it's escaping me right now the commoner core level zero play system that they came up with over at bite size gaming and i was like that would be incredible uh that would be perfect so i sat down and i started thinking how could i implement this into horror what would be the best thing to do with level zero characters and what i came up with is that it's very difficult to run a scary haunted house in dnd uh, you are, you go in haunted houses all the time and you are stronger than most things that are in there. But with level zero using this common core system, I thought this would be a great opportunity to use something in D&D that is typically not scary and actually make it feel like it would in real life, <laughs> you know, it make it feel oppressive and scary and like, I want to run, I'm not standing and fighting because I'm level zero. I'm just a lowly commoner. So we we started there um, going with the haunted house theme and using the commoner core and things started to just kind of build. Um, the One of the main facets of the adventure is very early on, right after the the characters sit down for dinner in the manor. Um, they are presented with a cube, kind of like a little, almost like a Rubik's cube, little puzzle box type of situation that looks like the manor, 
that can be pressed and pulled and rotated. And when the players go into certain rooms within the manor, there are like demonic inscriptions, demonic runes on certain sections of this, and they will light up and they can then activate those. They can press them in and twist the puzzle box to rotate the rooms within inside the room that they're standing in. Um, and this is a pretty key facet of the adventure of trying to get into rooms that you can't, that seem to have no doors, um, or creating new doors in places where there previously were not, to try and find ways to get, you know, accrue more clues to figure out how they're going to get out of there. Um, we didn't just hand wave away the fact that they can't break a window or walk out. There are mechanical reasons why they can't leave the house. Um, you know, they can't just pick up a chair and break a window. Things will happen if they try that. Um, it's not, we didn't just hand wave it away, so... Um, they have to figure out a way to get out of the house, and part of that room rotation is ways for them to try and find all the rooms in the house, like an escape room, and gather clues and figure out how they're going to escape. Um, there are nine pre-generated characters that they can pick from. If you have nine people playing, you could use all nine. If you have, if it's just two people playing, you could use a lot of them. Um, and run it as like a funnel. Even up to about four people, you could run it as a funnel where you each play two characters. And um, because there's no class mechanics to go with it, it's very streamlined and there's not a lot to keep track of. So running two characters at the same time wouldn't be too complicated or complex. Because uh, there are nine pre-generated characters and whether or not you have nine people playing you can use all nine of them, whether it's through the funnel system or the DM controls a couple of them as NPCs. A lot of people will probably die. Not all of these people are going to make it out. Your character may not make it out. It's pretty deadly, and it's intended to be so. Um, to kind of get, to kind of set the tone for the overall setting that we're writing. A lot of the a lot of the monsters that we're writing are intentionally a little overpowered, a little scarier than they you know than they might otherwise be in regular D and D. Um, the book will also set up a big facet of our Dreadland setting, which is terrible ties. These are they're kind of like things kind of similar to backgrounds in a way, but they, they function independently of a character background. And it gives your, your character a specific tie to some larger evil within the setting, like vampire lords or werewolves or hags or some sort of, you know, aberrations. We have a whole list of them that players will be able to choose from. And this we will be including two or three of them in this zine that players can actually pick from at the end of the adventure if they survive. Um, so instead of just having it written down on a page and saying, oh, this is my terrible tie, um, and this is what happened, this is a chance for players to actually play through that terrible tie when they eventually can go in and use this, the Lights of Winthrop Manor as a jumping off point to kick off a whole campaign, um, and they could have played through their actual terrible tie. So I'm very much interested in doing more of these types of things for them. Um, the adventure will also introduce a, it'll introduce all of our new lineages um, that will be in the larger book, such as ghost elves, grave dwarves, uh, guile gnomes, things like that. Um, and a lot of our new backgrounds as well. That's it in a fairly large nutshell. I think we uh, we started on purpose with Curse of Strahd for our adventure into fifth edition. So uh, I think this kind of tickles right on the dark world, a little more depressing, uh, kind of hits home mm -hmm. for that. And, and I totally agree with what you're saying about um, 
having an experience that you wrote down on paper for your characters about like, oh yeah, I did this in the past, but actually living that moment and having that stuff. I mean, it, you know, regardless of what people say, it's, it happened to you. So living uh -huh. through it, I want to see the character that was the lone survivor of the nine join up and what happens to them? Do they become a Matt Mercer's blood hunter? Do they become a ranger hunter? So, right. know, do, or do they, you know, are they exactly. the crazy person that took something with them and now they're a warlock? And it's like, well, why are you so weird? And like, you had to, I, I seen some shit, man. I seen some yeah. shit. Yeah. You know? Like, he's <laughs> visibly haunted, you know? So I, I think that's really cool. I think more set, we talk about session zeros are so important and we don't see a lot of play of session zero. It's usually just talking. So this is really cool. Yeah. It, and it was a, a lot of fun to write and to just kind of figure out how to, how to put that all into just a one shot that when you come out of it, you know, for now, for the next couple months, obviously it'll just be a one shot, but by the time people actually have it in their hands, it shouldn't be too much longer before the big book is also starting to ship maybe about four or five months. So, um, it, it was just a lot of fun to work with Zach and, and my co-creator Patrick to try and brainstorm this stuff. And then we got it all. And Travis Leggy originally was the writer for this adventure. And he unfortunately had to pull out because as you see, they have a lot of stuff going over at Onyx Path. And that's where his, you know, that's where his bread is buttered. And I totally get that. And he was like, I'm not going to be, he was like, unfortunately, I just, I can't take this on too. So we got in touch with JVC Perry and had brought him in and he is another prolific writer, uh, much like Travis. And he, he did a fantastic job of taking our ideas and creating something, crafting an adventure, unlike anything that I've ever seen. So really excited for people to get a chance to play it let's take a look at the kickstarter real quick and, and i noticed that there's a lot of stuff uh, a lot of stuff especially when i look at the stretch goals and the different tiers now i backed it mm -hmm. at the premium tier at the 25 dollar level and mm -hmm. and just just so our listeners know when you back this at the premium tier you get all the digital rewards the premium print zine uh exclusive what is the exclusive play tester can you explain that zach so the exclusive playtester is essentially we'll send you uh, PDFs of everything that we've got for our Dreadland setting coming up. All of our monsters, new races, new lineages, new backgrounds, new archetypes, new classes, our Dread and Terror system mechanic that um, ties into the Terrible Ties, um, character options, and things like that. As much as we've got done, which we've got most of that stuff already done and written and in a first draft stage, we'll send it to you so that you can basically like a sneak peek of the book just in, you know, a very basic PDF format, kind of like an unearthed arcana type of thing. And we will send it all to you, pretty much all of the mechanical stuff that's going to be going in the book. And you can look at it play with it, test it, tell us what works, what doesn't work, what you like, what you would change. And we'll take that feedback and we'll use it to kind of make our, our larger setting more user-friendly and, and really take that feedback to heart. So it's a good way to get people, to show people what else, you know, right. what this is tying into. Right, exactly. And so it goes on to say, and these are all, the next things are all printed items. You get item cards, pre-gen character sheets, handouts, and wax, wax sealed invitations. And I think that's probably the part that grabbed me right there. The <laughs> wax sealed invitations. Because my wife is a huge fan of murder mystery parties. So mm -hmm. every, typically, except for in the time of COVID, uh, we would host around her birthday. We have a party. We invite our friends over and we do a murder mystery thing. And she loves these little flares that she can send people and pass out and give to them just to make them all try to set the mood right from the get-go. So, I mean, I saw the wax sealed invitations. I'm like, yeah, that's where I'm buying in. Yeah. <laughs> so and, good job. Thank you. And that's kind of like my mindset too, is like, you know, when I, when I started DMing, I was like the more stuff that I can print out and make for my players to get them immersed in the story it's fun for me to make and it's fun for them to have 
Um, so I just kind of took that mindset into it and started looking at like, what, what can I do? Like we can make custom trading cards for the items and have the descriptions on there. Like, uh, you know, like you would have in magic, the gathering or something like that. And we can do all the print out the handouts and all the notes that you find. And it does run very much like kind of like a murder mystery, which I also enjoy those. Um, so I kind of took those elements from all over to, to create a, something that is really an immersive experience for a one shot. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious as as you guys were setting this up, did you look at any of the tiers and say, this is the one, this is the one that people should buy in at. This is the one that gives you the most value. This is the one that you're going to be the most happy about that you backed it at this level. Is there anyone that you think is the best one out of all of them? Oh, I definitely, the best one out of all of them. Well, I mean, that's hard to say because I think for the two higher end tiers, the Immortal and Keeper tier, if you are really interested in helping design parts of the book, the pre-gens for the Immortal tier or, you know, mods additional, the two additional monsters for the book, that would be, that would be it. But just from a baseline level, I think the collector's tier is where it's at. Um, I'm a sucker for stuff that comes in a collector's box and has a nice theme to it. Um, it also comes with two-sided poster-sized maps, um, physical maps of the adventure um, that has all the floors so you can work your way through it. Um, it has additional oversized monster cards, plus everything else that's in the premium edition, plus it has the alternate cover that you know will, will match the collector's box um, and the card backs. And I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. And it's only 45 bucks, which I think is pretty, pretty decent price. I would so, agree. It's typically a collector's edition. You're talking 90 to a hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that one, that one was my favorite. And that was the one where I was, once I had the idea and I, I looked at everything that would go into bringing that, making it a reality, I was like, I think people will really go for this because I know I go for stuff like this all the time and I know I'm not the only one. So of all the times I've gone to buy a collector's edition of something like that, and it was already sold out within hours. So, right. Yeah. Like cyberpunk <laughs> that sold out very fast. Yeah. Didn't deliver very well. Um, <laughs> totally different subject. I, I, I'm curious, as as this being your first Kickstarter, you guys set the you set the the ask pretty low at two thousand dollars, and I know that's actually pretty typical for what Zach and and Drifters Atlas does is around that uh -huh. that price. Um, I, I, there's got to be some nervousness though, as you put it out there. You're like, oh my gosh, is this going to fund? How is this going to work? How how apprehensive were you before you hit go? Uh, pretty much completely absolutely 100% apprehensive. I have this weird thing where my, pretty much my entire adult life, I've struggled with imposter syndrome, which I think a lot of, a lot of people in our circle seem to, you know, who are creative types, writers and creators. I thought that I was alone in that for a long time. And it turns out that a lot of people actually struggle with this. So, um, going into it, I was like, I mean, people are going to, you know, people are going to look at this and think, what is this guy doing? This looks so cliche and so, you know, this or that. And, you know, it's just that little voice in the back of my head. I've done a good job of keep it, keeping it out of, out of my frontal space for a long time. But, uh, but I mean, the night before it, it was, I was trying to go to sleep and it was like, trying to creep in so i i had you know i was nervous what if it didn't fund um but i've made a lot of connections i have shamelessly plugged this every chance i've had anywhere i could and it makes me feel a little gross inside sometimes but no one else is going to do it for me um unless i pay them to which i which i do sometimes but um you know sponsor different things but I, I, overall, I felt pretty good about it. I thought we had something that was really unique. Um, 
Zach and Patrick, the you know, who have really done a lot for this. Um, they really helped a lot and having JVC come on and write for it and Morval Press doing the maps um, and our, the art that we had, I, for the most part, I felt like we'd created something really unique and special that people would be very interested in. So I was, I didn't expect it to fund as fast as it did. Um, we funded in just under eight hours yesterday. Um, but I, I figured we would probably get to our goal, which was assuaged a little bit by the fact that most zines do fund. So, so let's, let's talk about the fact that it funded in, in, in about eight hours, you said, what, where were you when it hit the funding mark and what was your reaction? I was, I was actually using the restroom and I did not know I was taking a break from constantly checking it. Um, and Patrick, my co-creator and my girlfriend both messaged me at the same time. And I was like, wait a minute, what's happening? And I went and I looked and there we were, we were $32 over and it was just before 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time last night. Um, and I, it was such a, such a great feeling with this being my first project and having put so much into creating this company and coming up with this large setting and then having to take a break from working on that to work on this project. And it's kind of been really haphazard and very stressful um at times but so much fun and and i've met a lot of great people and it was just it was very surreal to finally step back and look and go i did the thing and it and it worked i did it like so i am i'm over the moon Nolan, as always, I dominate the conversation, so I'll throw it over to you if you have any questions. I, d I don't think I do. You've covered a lot of it. Um, I, I like the monster theme. It looks really good. Again, I'm a big fan of the Session Zero and actually playing through a Session Zero. Uh, that's something that I think I need to start adding more into my games. Um, and I also will say uh, there's nothing that sets the table off like the DM saying, oh, and you found this and passing a loot card across the table. Oh, would you get what you get? You get? And, you know, the person hiding it like they are playing poker. And so I think, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I like D&D Beyond. It makes life easy. But having stuff for your players is very key. And I think you hit that one as well. So it looks good. I think your pricing is right. I, I'm curious to see how it goes i'm looking forward to patrick throwing it in the monsters are scary i refuse to look at the scarlands monsters because i know it's coming for me at some point so i'm sure i won't <laughs> dive too much in here because i'm sure i'll see these guys at some point as well so well done thank you zach thank you so much for joining us today um that is about the time that we have i do want to throw out to everybody it is on kickstarter currently it looks like there's about 13 days left if i, if I, I think i saw that right mm -hmm. um the link is in the show notes, and, and I highly recommend, like I said, I, I went and backed it last night. I read through it. I, I love the artwork. The artwork looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, I, I went ahead and backed it last night because, you know, you guys come on our show, and you coming on our show supports us. And, and the, the best way for us to reciprocate is not only have you on the show, but to be able to back your projects and support the things that you guys and all the other independent creators are doing. I'm going to have a treasure chest full of all these independent created stuff. And I'm just going to be like Scrooge McDuck and dive in and swim around in it and just have a blast because it's so awesome. You guys are doing some amazing things. Zach, thank you so much. Before we log off, though, I'd like for you to tell everybody how they can get a hold of you. Oh, sure. Um, so uh, we are Stoneworks Gaming on Facebook. Big Stone, Little Works, capital G in gaming. Um, at Stoneworks Gaming, all lowercase on Instagram. You can find us there at StoneworksG on Twitter. Um, we have a Patreon where you can also go and become a playtester that way. Um, Stoneworks Gaming on Patreon. And then we also have StoneworksGaming.com, which just launched the night before the Kickstarter on Friday. So that is up and going. Um, and you can pre-order there. If you miss out on certain stuff on the Kickstarter, you can go there and you can pre-order it for our second printing. 
I am curious before we do go, um, after this funds, after everything's been sent out, after you like we're talking like say next fall, will there be any consideration of putting the project on drive through RPG? That is a great question. Probably I don't know. That's something I have to look into because I I very much could. Um but I have to look into whether or not it's possible to still sell this independently through my own website and drive through RPG, because given the option, I would at least to start with and see how it works just as a test. I would like to sell it myself through my own website and keep all the money. <laughs> um, but if, if drive through RPG becomes the more viable option, then that is certainly the route that I'll go. Cool. I wasn't sure. And, and it's good to know that there will be the the ability to purchase it through the website because obviously that's where we would rather drive people is to your website because, hey, that's how you make money. So let's send mm -hmm. it there and, and help you out that way. Um, again, uh, thank you so much for coming. Stoneworks Games, make sure you guys go check out the Lights of Winthrop Manor on Kickstarter, fully funded. Let's knock down some stretch goals and help these guys out because this project looks amazing. Zach, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Nolan, that is going to be our show for this week, unless you have something else to add. I don't. Uh, I guess if you're in our area, try and stay warm. And if you're in someplace warm, uh, we hate you. So, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Uh, hopefully you are doing something fun for Valentine's Day and not shoveling snow, as we tend to be doing a lot lately. So that's our show for this week, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye.